13 verse 20. Um, just a brief um, proverb that says, um, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Or if you read it in a different version, it says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise. The one who walks with the wise will become wise. And just, um, I'll read you Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 that says, Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making most of the time because the days are evil. And so what I want to do this evening is just talk to you a bit about walking um, and just share three um, separate thoughts with you on on walking. And um, I was struck some years ago, I read a book called The, the Best Lesson I've Ever Learned. Um, and it was edited by a guy called Bill Bright. And what he did is he invited a number of, of pastors and church leaders to kind of share their lesson. You know, what's the most significant thing you've ever learned? And I think it's quite a good question to ask. You know, I, when I meet people for the first time, um, it's quite a good thing to say, what's the most important thing you've ever learned in life? Um, and he got a number of responses, but there was one story that struck stuck with me, and it still has to this day, and I'm going to read you a bit of it. And this was from a pastor called Robert Schuler, who was a pastor of a large church in California. And he said that the lesson that he had learned that was most significant was watching his daughter. Um, and he had a daughter who, at the age of 17, was unfortunately involved in a, a motorcycle uh, accident. And she had to have her leg amputated at the knee. Um, so he kind of um, had to watch his daughter deal with this. Um, and there was one particular occasion where he was quite touched by what she did. And um, he tells this story about how he was invited to go on a Caribbean cruise with his wife and his daughter. Um, and um, at the end of the cruise there was a kind of talent contest. And he said, surprisingly, she put her name down. Um, surprisingly, because he didn't think she could sing, and he said she certainly couldn't dance. Um, and he just tells this story. And what I want to do is I want to read it to you as he writes it. He says, on this cruise, it was customary on the last night to have a talent show in which the passengers participated Carol, then 17 years old, surprised us by saying, I'm going to be in the talent show tonight. Now, Carol doesn't sing, and of course she doesn't dance. So naturally, I was curious as to what she would do. Friday night, my wife and I sat in the lounge along with 600 other people. The stage was set in the big glorified cocktail lounge. As you can imagine, it was a very secular scene. The first acts performed were typical of amateur talent shows. Then it was Carol's turn. She came on stage wearing neither shorts nor Hawaiian garb, but a full-length dress. She looked beautiful. Walking up to the microphone, she said, I really don't know what talent is, but I thought it would be a good chance for me to give you what I think I owe you all. An explanation. I know you've been looking at me all week, wondering about my fake leg. I thought I should tell you what happened. I was in a motorbike accident. I almost died, but the doctors kept me alive, giving me blood, and my pulse came back. 
They amputated my leg below the knee and later they amputated through the knee. I spent several months in hospital, seven months with intravenous antibiotics to fight the infection. She paused for a moment and then continued. She said, if I have one talent, it's this. During that time, my faith became very real to me. Suddenly, a hush went over the lounge. The waitress stopped serving drinks. The glasses stopped clinking. Every eye was focused on this tall 17-year-old woman. She said, I look at you girls who walk without a limp, and I wish I could walk that way. I can't, but this is what I've learnt, and I want to leave, leave with you. It's not how you walk that counts, but who walks with you and with whom you walk. Then she paused and said, I'd like to sing you a song about my friend, my lord, and she sang, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I'm his own, and the joy we share in our time of prayer, none other has never known. Thank you. And she stepped down. And I remember reading that some, some years ago, and I thought, how, how right is that? It's not how you walk, although I'm going to kind of challenge that a bit later on, but it's, it's who you walk with and who walks with you that really matters. And Proverbs says that those who walk with the wise will be wise. And I want to just sort of share three thoughts about walking in a spiritual sense. First of all, I want to talk about walking in terms of our relationship with God. And then I want to talk about walking in the sense of our association with people. And then finally, I want to talk about walking in terms of my behaviour, how I walk. Because often in the Bible, and particularly if you look at... um, Paul, when he talks in Ephesians, he talks a lot about walking, but he doesn't mean walking, he means behaviour. This is how you behave, or this is how you walk. So let's first of all think about walking in terms of our relationship with God. Um, It's interesting because when, you know, we, we hear quite a lot in our church about evangelism and we get exaltation regularly to share our faith. And, and Pastor Tony did it recently and asked that kind of threw out an open question, what stops you sharing your faith? And, and some people said, well, it's, you know, I get scared. And other people said, I'm worried about some clever person asking me a difficult question that I can't answer. But nobody ever says my barrier to sharing faith. And so I kind of, I never say it because I think maybe it's just me then. Um, my barrier to sharing my faith is that sense of hypocrisy. That's why I tend not to share my faith if I'm really being honest and analytical, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them about a wonderful life that they could have that I don't quite enjoy. And in that sense, I feel a hypocrite. You know, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them about this amazing, all-powerful God, and then I'm going to tell them that the one that created the heavens and the earth and all the universes is somebody that you can know and walk with on an everyday basis. And at that point, I'm kind of feeling that awful sense of hypocrisy. I'm thinking that sense of, 
If that's true, why don't I do it? And that's what stops me sharing my faith, is because I just, I don't want them to delve into it too much. I don't want somebody who doesn't know Christ to say, are you actually saying that every minute of every day of your life you can walk with God? And I'm going to say, in theory, yes. Technically, that's true. But it's not true always in my experience. In Ephesians chapter 3, we, we hear a lot about walking. Um, and Paul says, in him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We can walk into the presence of God and spend time. Now, I think that's quite a remarkable thing. And, you know, I, I guess for me, I bet in heaven that is one of the greatest mysteries in heaven. That God has opened up heaven to us so that spiritually we can be with God 24-7. And in heaven, they must be staggered at how infrequent we take up that opportunity. It must, angels must just sit around in the sort of angels' common room and say, when did we last see Jez then? Oh, that's, that's a while ago. Sorry, who did you say? Jez. Ah, yeah, not seen him for a while. It must stagger them that Jesus, having hung on a cross for us, for that very purpose, is the thing that we don't do. That's why I get worried about sharing my faith. I don't really want to get found out on that one. I don't want somebody to come along and say, oh, well, can, just, I, can, can I just observe you? Yeah, you know, spend a day with me. And then saying, if being with God is so wonderful, why are you dashing home to watch Call the Midwife? Well, you can't be a Christian all the time, can you? I mean, we all need to relax a bit, come on. I'd get found out. And somebody who is completely new to the faith would say, I honestly am a bit... Are you telling me that you can walk into the presence of God at any point in your day and you choose not to? Well, it's not that I choose not to. It's just that I'm, I'm very busy. Well, until six o'clock and eggheads. And this non-Christian would say, so just... Let me get this right. Is eggheads more exciting than walking to the presence of Jesus? Well, it's different, is all I can say. But Jesus wants us to walk with him. And it, I'm convinced it will be the greatest mystery of heaven that having opened up you know, it's a bit like, you know, on your street, they open McDonald's and then they open a, a five-star, three-star Michelin restaurant and they say, you can go into either, whichever you want, whenever you want. Why would you go to McDonald's? 
when you can have that? And more than that, why do you think that Jesus came to the cross? He came for that reason. In fact, we, we read that verse this morning, and I find more and more, John 14, verse 6, one of the most challenging verses in the Bible. Um, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I think it is one of the most provocative verses in the whole Bible. If you were going to go and stand on Manningham Lane and declare that, um, that would be a staggering verse. But I am more and more convinced in my faith that that tells us that Jesus went to the cross for us because that was the only way that we could get access to the Father. And I do not believe for a second that Jesus went for the, to the cross to offer an option to some people who would like that route to heaven. You know, if, if heaven is a mountain and there's all these different paths up and, and Hinduism is one and Islam is another and Sikhism is, and Jew, you know, and Jesus thought, well, let's just throw in another and we'll call it Christianity so that those people that are inclined towards that kind of religion have got that option. If there was any other way, do you think that God would have sacrificed his own son? Of course he wouldn't. There wasn't any other way. And when it comes to access with the Father, one of the things that God is saying is, I've been to the cross. I've torn the veil of the temple in two, and you can come and spend time with me any time you want. And it's staggering that we don't. But Jesus wants us to walk with him. So in the first sense, there is a walking in terms of our relationship with Jesus. And then there's the second sense of walking is in our association with people. You know, who we spend time with. And when I um, was youth pastor a long time ago now, um, I used to bang away at this verse with young people all the time. And for you young people, get this verse into your heart and into your head. Um, those who walk with the wise will be wise. Choose your friends carefully. Choose the people that you want to associate with. In Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, So follow the way of good people and keep to the paths of righteousness. You know, those who walk with the wise will be wise. And who you hang around with is really significant. Because they influence how you do, and particularly in terms of groups and gangs. Because what groups do is, first of all, they establish an identity. This is what we look like. And even sometimes, you know, physically, we all dress the same, we all look the same. And then they establish what the behaviour is of that particular group. And if you're in that group, that's how you've got to behave. And then when you behave, um, you then learn to exclude people that don't behave in our particular way. So think carefully about the people that you associate with. Think carefully about, because you, you gravitate, you move towards the, the culture of that group. You move towards the tone of that group. So have a good look at it and decide, are these the people that I want to... Um, you know, associate with, and in particular, look at how they deal with people that are outside the group. 
And this is particularly an issue for young people. They are incredibly cruel towards young people that don't sit within their mindset. And the real challenge for Christian young people is, can you belong to a group that invites people in that are different to yourself? That's the real challenge. So when you are walking, be careful who you walk with because eventually you get in step with other people. You know, when you see people walking, they can be walking at different paces and sometimes different directions. But over time, they find a single direction and a single pace. So when Proverbs says, walk, those who walk with the wise will be wise, think about who you're walking with. You know, and walk with those people that have got the same passion. That's what I learned as a as a parent. You know, um, my kids have got friends that they've had right from the way that they were born, and 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 they think my kids think that they chose their friends, and they haven't got a clue. We chose them for you. I'm glad they're not here because I don't want them to know this, so don't tell them if you know them. But we chose the friends for them because we chose our friends who were walking in the same direction, in the same way and the same pace. Their kids came along with them, our kids came along with them, and they got to like each other. And they learned to have friendships. We chose our kids' friendships for them. and We decided who they were going to associate with. We just didn't tell them. And to this day, they still think they had some say in that. But think about who you're associating with. You know, think about who you're spending time with um, because you will move towards them. So in the first sense, you, you have the opportunity to walk with God. And the question is, why wouldn't you? Then you have an opportunity to choose who you walk with. Those people that has, have a similar heartbeat um, and are walking with you. And then finally, it's how you walk yourself. You know, how you behave. Um, This girl, Carol, said, it's not how you walk, but who walks with you and with whom you walk. I'd just like to rephrase that a bit because I do think it matters how you walk. But what what I'm suggesting is that the people who you walk with and the God that you walk with has an impact on how you walk. Um, If you look at, if you pick up a little um, commentary from uh, Watchman Nee on Ephesians called Sit, Walk, Stand. It's a lovely little commentary on Ephesians. What Watchman Nee says is that, first of all, Christians need to learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. And then when you sit at the feet of Jesus, you start walking. But you walk in a certain way because you've sat with Jesus. So sitting with him, listening to him, fellowshipping with Jesus, it influences how you behave. And then he says, ultimately, when you walk, you become strong and you you stand. So I suspect that we don't walk like Jesus and stand for Jesus because we don't sit with him. I go back to my, Jesus has thrown open the door to his house. You know, we all kind of are intrigued a bit, aren't we, about how people live. I walk past houses sometimes and I think, I wonder what's what that's like inside um and if it's on the street and they've left the door open i might kind of linger and do my shoelace or something and just have a little look um and i'd like i'd like to be invited into buckingham palace or whatever and see what goes on in there you know i'd like to have a good look in there um 
And if I got the invite from Her Majesty to, Jez, I hear you're interested in my house. Come and have a look. Um, I would go and have a look. I'd just find it. And what God's saying is, I've thrown open the doors. I've thrown open the doors of heaven. And I'm inviting you in to come and spend a bit of time with me anytime you want. And he doesn't understand why we, we don't do that. And, you know, in Psalm 37, one of the things that David says is, I have been young and now I'm old, and yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. So what David's saying is, I'm an old man. I saw some stuff and I've seen some stuff and this is what I've learned. And I'm kind of, I'm in that phase now where I'm knocking on a bit and I'm thinking, yeah, I know what that's like. I was young and now I'm old. You know, this year I'll have walked with Jesus 40 years. And I'm thinking, I've learned some stuff. But you know what? And this is one of the painful things that I've learned. I would say, if it was Psalm 37, verse 26, according to Jez, I have been young, and I am old, and I have not seen Christians transformed anywhere near the degree to which they could. That's what I've watched. And I don't mean to say that in a cynical sense. I just, I've watched myself, I've watched other Christians, and I'm thinking to myself, if there is this journey of holiness that the Holy Spirit wants to bring with us, if God wants to transform our lives so much and our behaviour and our walk, my question is, why doesn't it happen? Why doesn't it happen more? You know, why are churches not full of the most amazing saints Take into account that they got saved when they got saved. But at that point, they became a new creation. And God set them on this journey of holiness. And you can see, even you hear this morning, some amazing stories of transformed lives. But if transformation, holiness, if it was a graph, it would start up somewhere here and very quickly drop here and then kind of go on. And you kind of drift towards the end of your life where you don't know whether that's a work of the Holy Spirit or it's just getting old. You know, you kind of don't know what the difference is. I'm, a, I'm more mellow now. I mean, I used to be a drama teacher. I used to be outrageous. Um, I'm really sensible now. But I'm not sure that that's a work of the Holy Spirit. I'm just, I haven't got the energy anymore. But I'm not claiming that that's holiness. It's probably weariness. But we should be changing and transformed by the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to, as it says in um, Romans, that we are being predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. On this earth, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is make you more like Jesus. He wants you to be conformed into holiness. And so my question is, how come that doesn't happen? Why don't, we, why don't we see that as much as we should? Or put it a different way. However long you have been a Christian, is your current 
place of holiness where God would expect you to be. Think about that. Is where I am right now in my walk of holiness, so some of you might have been only a Christian a year, some of you might have been a Christian like me 40 years, some of you might have been Christian 60 years, Forget how long you've been. Just ask God the question, where I am right now, is that where you would expect me to be? You know, some, some time ago, um, I went to see Luke one Friday morning because he was taking a group of young people off to uh, Moffat because he's a youth leader to, to do some um, a weekend away with young people. And so I went at nine o'clock. Uh, there's a lovely sort of, uh, sweet shop in Moffat, so I wanted to give the kids some money. And I said, what time are you setting off? And he said, oh, 10 o'clock. So I said, oh, that's good. It's probably two and a half hours to Moffat. If you if you set off at 10, you should get there for about 12.30, and you'll, you'll have the rest of the day. At quarter to 12, I got a phone call from Luke. Dad, are you busy? I said, well, not really. Why? He said, we've left somebody behind. Right, okay. Um, he said, we've just got the time wrong, he said, and she's, she's still at home and she's, she's waiting to come on the weekend. Can you help? And I said, well, I'm not driving to Moffat. He said, no, 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 we'll wait for you at Keithley. Um, you, you get her and we'll meet at Keithley. So I said, that's fine. So I got her and I drove to Keithley. And I got to Keithley, this way by where the minibuses were stationed, and I got there at 12.30 and I took her there and I got all the youth leaders together and very smugly said, this would not have happened in my day. You know, and they're, oh, you know, you know. And, and I said, well, you set, did you set off at 10 o'clock? And they said, yeah, we set off bang at, I said, well, you've done well. At 12.30, you're in Keithley. <laughs> Two and a half hours into your journey, when I would have been at Moffat by now, and you've got to Keithley in two and a half hours. That's very impressive. Now, it's not impressive because by that stage, you should have been in Moffat. And all I'm saying is, I don't have a rule. I don't have any way of measuring where you are in your walk of holiness. And I'm glad. I can't, I, you know, don't come at the end and say, Jez, just give me a view. Where do you think I am? I have not got a view. I haven't got a clue. But what I'm saying is, ask the Holy Spirit. Are you going to get a thumbs up and the Holy Spirit going to say, Jez, for somebody who has been walking with Jesus for 40 years, do you know what? You are an example to the whole Christian world. If only they could keep pace with you. Uh, what a world it would be. Or is the Holy Spirit going to say, Jez, you're right. 40 years, you're just about where you should be. Or is the Holy Spirit going to say, 40 years? And you're there? That's like being in Keithley when you should be in Moffat. What's up with you? Now, I don't know for you whether you are going to get a thumbs up from the Holy Spirit today. You're just where I want you to be or you're exceeding our expectations. I mean, in heaven, we thought you'd never get that far. Or whether everybody's just going to look down the ground and just tut and roll their eyes and think, really? That's a day's growth. 
that's a day's growth and you've been doing it 40 years. Get yourself sorted and get yourself moving. It's how we walk. And I just want to encourage you just to, um, we know that when we get to heaven, we will be perfectly transformed in holiness. And we will be transformed in the twinkling of an, of an eye. My question is, what is the gap? What is the gap? Is it a little tweak? Is it like, you know what, you're around about 99%, so we'll just tweak you and you'll just be right for heaven. Or is it a major overhaul? Is the gap like going from first gear to sixth gear? Or is it fifth to sixth? Where are you? Walking with Jesus. Um, and I, I want to make sure that I say this in the right spirit. Because one of the things that, 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 as I was thinking about this, this is not to be condemning. In fact, I tried to be quite light-hearted about it. Because I actually think that what Jesus is saying to you is, once you've asked the question... And we used to do this in school, didn't we? Oh, I did it anyway as a teacher. Thumbs up, that, that, you know. Are you with me? Not sure. I haven't got a clue. You know, ask the Holy Spirit. Am I where I should be? Am I head just where I should be? Am I nowhere near where I should be? But when you've got the answer, then just ask God, well, where do we go from here? Because if the answer is you are nowhere near where you should be, I tell you what you will not hear in heaven, you will not hear a tut, and you will not hear a rolling of the eyes, you'll hear a, you're a bit behind pace, but let's pick it up, that's all you're going to hear, it's not a, you're behind pace, ha ha ha, you're going to hear a, you're behind pace, but, the Holy Spirit's single commitment to you is to make you like Christ. And so the Holy Spirit will be saying, Jez, 40 years, to be honest, you're at where we'd expect somebody with 10 years to be. You've got 30 years to make up, mate, but we can do it. And then the Holy Spirit would say, and do you know what the starting point is? It's going back to the beginning. It's going back to the sitting it's going back to turn your TV off, stop doing some of the stuff that you do, and just discover the joy. And my, my you know, final thought is, some of the songs that I, we sing, I find quite difficult, and I'm a real kind of watcher of words on screen. And if I can't sing it, I can't sing it, and I don't sing it. And a lot of the songs I sing, I find really difficult, is you are my one single desire. And I think to myself, well, that's not true of me, actually. I'd like it to be, but it's not true of me. So I don't sing it. Jesus, you are all that I need. Yeah, but bit of football, bit of TV, bit of, you know, you're not quite everything that I need. You are the only one that matters in my life. Not really. I probably don't sing very much, actually, when I think about the words of songs. But, but that's where Jesus wants us to be. But the starting point is a bit of truth. Not truth as we see it, but invite the Holy Spirit just to stop and say, let's just stop for a second. 
let's evaluate where you're at. And if you're miles ahead of the game, it'll be wonderful to hear the Holy Spirit say, wow, you're racing ahead. Keep racing. And if you're just on pace, to hear the Holy Spirit saying, you're doing well, you're on pace. But do you know what? You can pick it up a bit. And if you're miles behind pace, you'll hear the Holy Spirit say, it is not impossible to close the gap. But closing the gap means I'm going to have to take you by the hand, Jez, and take you back to the Father's presence. And I'm going to make you sit. And when you sit, don't worry about that old rubbish statement about, you know, you shouldn't be too heavenly minded because you'll be no earthly good. That's rubbish. Nobody who was heavenly minded ever stayed in heaven. They always came back to earth with a purpose. It always changed and transformed their behaviour. And God will for you. But you might find if you've lost the pace, if you're slowing down, if you're behind where you should be, funnily enough, it's not run any faster. It's stop, sit at the feet of Jesus, fellowship with him, learn to love him again, and then get running again. So those are my thoughts on walking. You've got a wonderful opportunity to spend time with Jesus. We just need a transformation of heart and mind so that it becomes the pleasure that our songs tell us it is. So I'll finish there. Have you got a song that you were going to sing? Brilliant. Lord, thank you for your peace. Lord, thank you that you promised to walk with us and the minute, Lord, that we say we want to spend time with you, um, you're so excited about that. You really want us to do that and um, and run into your open arms. Lord, I pray, um, I pray for our response to what Jez has just been talking about. And I pray, Lord, that you would, um, yeah, you would let us um, think through and respond to that individually. Lord, help us, help us to um, hear from your Holy Spirit and know how we should respond. And um, I pray, Lord, that tonight we would take away a deeper fellowship with one another and um, a deeper fellowship with you.